you know, I was studying abroad and living the high life. Everything, everything seemed, was seemingly going right in my life. Mm. Um, and then he called me one day. He had had cancer while I was growing up and had been in remission, um, but called FaceTime around Easter and was like, hey, cancer's back. I've got leukemia um, and I'm going to refuse all treatment. My name is Danielle, and this is Godcast. This week I got to chat with Raleigh Dale, and to be entirely honest, I wasn't sure where our conversation would go. But we ended up having a spanning conversation about everything from evanescence to the way that death can profoundly alter how we understand the world and God. I can't wait for you to take a listen. But I do want to put something on everyone's radar because, to be honest, I need help. I have an amazing opportunity um, to join a nonprofit that I've been at as an intern through grad school called Essential Partners um, and their first ever cohort of fellows. So Essential Partners is a nonprofit organization working in the field of dialogue and conflict transformation. It's really the best of the best, the cream of the crop in conflict transformation. And this is what I'm most passionate about in life. This is what I want to do with my life is I want to help communities in the midst of conflict to be able to um, speak their truth, to be able to communicate, um, to not have to minimize the ways that they are different in order to build love and trust. Um, And I believe that community is possible where conflicts arise, but that in order for community to happen in our increasingly fractured world, we need more people who are dedicated to cultivating meaningful community in the midst of difference. And I'm dedicated to becoming one of these people. And the fellowship with essential partners over the next year is just a crucial part of that process for me. But the fellowship is not free. (laughs) Um, And as a recent graduate of grad school, I need help to be able to afford this opportunity. Um, um, Because of that, I have started a GoFundMe. I don't want to go on about how it's hard to ask for help. It's hard for everyone to ask for help. I... Yeah, this is something I've been working towards for a long time. I'm the youngest person to be invited to this fellowship, meaning that um, presumably for most people who were invited to this fellowship, it's not so much of the financial burden. So if you are able to give at all, I have linked the GoFundMe um, to the Twitter and the Facebook page, my personal Facebook page as well. The truth is that I don't have tons and tons of listeners to Godcast. I do this project because it matters to me. Um, It's a lot of work. And so I want to grow it and build it as much as I possibly can. Um, But even with my limited listener base, if everyone gave like $15, I would be well on my way to making this happen. But if you can't give any money um, or if you don't feel comfortable but you know someone who has maybe a little bit more means um, and you think would be interested in um, this conflict transformation work, it would mean a lot to me if you would just send them an individual message, a text, a Facebook message, 
um, however, an email, however you communicate, and maybe send them the GoFundMe. If you can't, um, I'll just say, I am going to set a goal for people. If you can't give, that's fine. I totally understand. But if you can't give and you think this sounds important, try and find one person who you think could give and send it to them. I'm going to be posting this GoFundMe all over social media. Um, it will be on the Godcast Twitter, the Godcast Facebook page, um, the GoFundMe link is gofundme.com slash make dash danielle 039 s dash dream dash possible that's gofundme.com slash make dash danielle 039 s dash dream dash possible if you want to know more about essential partners um if that's one of the questions like how legit is this fellowship what is this organization or if you want to give to the organization um itself beyond just this gofundme their website is what is that's what is so thank you for sticking with me through this without further ado here's my conversation with raleigh dan you say that like personally your earliest ideas about God were either like what someone told you to think about God or what you just intuitively felt um that's a good question I think that I have always felt a connection to um like a capital O other Mm. and known that there were invisible forces that shaped the world and our interactions um because I've always been a very intuitive soft emotionally um available person Mm. um and I don't my parents um didn't ever speak about religion we didn't go to church there weren't bibles around like it wasn't until I was spending the night at girlfriends' houses on Saturday nights when I was growing up. I would say, when when you start doing that, probably like early middle school. Yeah. Um, spend the night Saturday, and then part of you know their tradition was, was always to go to church on Sunday, and so I would just go to church with their family, and that was my first introduction to like, oh, there's this thing people do where they go and they sing, and mm. it seemed a little uncomfortable to me at the time Mm -hmm. which probably do for a couple of reasons a it was so unusual to me didn't really know that that was a thing never was never discussed or introduced to me Mm. um and b just the sense of like already unbelonging not having been a part of that world Hmm. so were most of the people that you went to school with religious but your family wasn't is that correct yes I would say if I in middle school high school the really formative formative years I didn't really know anyone who who believed the way I or I wouldn't say believed the way I believed but had the same suspicions um Mm -hmm. that I had about organized religion and and all of that too stems from I don't 
really feel like my small town experience is truly representative of religion when it can be good. Um, and a lot of social circles in middle school and high school, especially when young life gets introduced, mm. it was like the popular kids thing. Um, and mm. all everyone sort of identified themselves based on their youth group. You know, like you only hung out with the people who went to like vacation Bible school with you, you know, or were part of the youth group or your young life group. And so I never had a foot in that door. Mm. And so I always felt like I was a little bit on the outside of being part of like the cool kids club. And also I'd never had anyone to bounce off this, like what, what is religion? What are these people doing? How can someone just break this down for me? Mm. Did you ever feel like people were trying to convert you into their religion? Oh my gosh. All the time, (laughs) all the time. I did um, go through this, I guess in one period where I was like, you know what? I'm doing this thing. Mm -hmm. I got myself a promise ring. So how old were you? This was, I was 14. Okay. Early, it was like freshman year of high school. And I started seeing as much as you can see someone in high school since you can't go on dates or I wasn't allowed to go on dates. Yeah. Um, So, you know, we would like walk to class together and stuff. (laughs) But uh, he came from a very, very, very religious family, mm-hmm. and it was problematic that I did not, you know, read my Bible nightly or, you know, participate in this, um, like, my school. There was really, really, I would say, little separation between church and state there, and we mm-hmm. used to have what's called the happening, which would be this weekend lock-in at um, the in the gym, and it would just be like (laughs) they would have preachers come and you're locked into school like you go on Friday and you don't leave until Sunday and it's just just this whole weekend dedicated to like kind of conversion Um, and I never wanted to go I always thought it was kind of strange but it was a problem for my boyfriend at the time Drew that I wasn't interested in that so I was like all right, let's do it I'm just going to dive right into this (laughs) and got a Bible read. I participated in, um, an interpretive dance to an evanescent oh. song in front of the whole school. <laughs> so I tried to give it a go. Oh my gosh. That's so Christian culture in high school. I, <laughs> is it? Yeah. Is that normal? I get, well, yeah, just evanescence. Yeah. The wake me up inside song. Oh. I can't think of the name, oh, but it was yep. intense. I know exactly what you're talking about. So then, so you're 14. And you decide you're going to give it a go. Yeah. So how long did that last? And was there any, like, did you feel different? What was that time like for you? You know, it's kind of hard to say because it's so long ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I remember feeling accepted, but I think that had to do with, you know, my boyfriend at the time being like, yeah, I got myself a good Christian girl now. Um, so it felt definitely more included. Mm -hmm. Um, and to be honest, I do remember feeling this sort of like security Mm -hmm. and being like, Oh, okay. So I'm not just going to die and evaporate, you know, Mm -hmm. like there, there are things beyond this life. And when you're 14 and learning what death is. 
I lost my grandfather when I was 12. Mm -hmm. Um, So like death had been relatively newly introduced to me and I was having a really hard time coping with the idea of when you're, you're gone and you're just, you're just gone. That's that's it. And I think being a part of sort of the religious community for a little while kind of eased that emotional burden for me. Like, okay, there, there is something else out there. Mm. Um, I also remember if I I remember being staunchly dedicated to like the no sex before marriage thing too. Mm -hmm. And that feeling like oddly affirmative. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say that that period of my life didn't really last beyond my relationship with Drew. So, so was that just like, how long was that relationship? Like mm, six months, maybe. So it was pretty short period. It's Mm -hmm. really interesting. Those two things in particular, because because I just finished my master's of theological studies and like, I didn't focus on biblical studies, but like I took some new Testament classes and you talk about the history and like a more historical approach to certain passages and the ways that cultural norms and ideas about sex and bodies out of which these like prescriptions around sexual relationships came and then, it's just this, it just becomes more confusing in a way, at least in my experience, where you're told, at least I was told my whole life, that this text said something very clear and very obvious. And then some of that begins to peel away. And the same thing about death, honestly. And like there are different traditions within the Hebrew Bible, which is like, I mean, definitely the way that I was taught to think about the Bible, the whole thing is completely true, but they're, they don't say all the same things in like various traditions within Judaism and then within Christianity about heaven and hell and death and sex and all of these things. And I feel like there's this security that when I was growing up, I had, I was really religious all of growing up and sometimes I miss that. And Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know what to do about it because it is scary and for me something that I thought would answer all those questions and had for most of my life all of a sudden wasn't as stable as I had thought mm-hmm. and like I yeah sometimes I just miss that that feeling of knowing about I these totally huge agree. questions um, well it's nice sometimes it's nice to be told how to feel you know Mm -hmm. to have sort of like a blueprint for acceptable acceptable behavior and you know the big questions like you know what happens after you die and I think it's empowering to have space in your life to be able to sift through that yourself you know and really put your mind to work and figure out um figure out what you think beyond what you've been told Mm -hmm. but definitely when you're younger you're, you know, you're wrangling with so many other transformative things mm-hmm. that it's nice to be like, okay, you shouldn't have sex before marriage. There is something after death. Um, I don't know. It, it creates these nice boundaries, you know, mm-hmm. that 
feel good sometimes. So you went to Belmont um, in Nashville yes. for college. Um, what mm-hmm. did you study? Religious studies. Okay. That's what I thought. Because <laughs> yeah. we had a poetry class together, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what made you decide to study religion? Um, definitely my experience growing up. Um, yeah. It, like, I've always been curious about it, even though... So I knew that perhaps my community did not um, practice what they preached because they're, I, my grandmother, my grandmother is very religious, but she's like a truly practice what she preaches. Yeah. Just a phenomenal woman. And she would always, when I would see her on the weekends and be like, you know, I don't really have any friends. I'm not really part of this young life thing. And I just really can't find a place for myself. She would always reassure me that, you know, there's room for everyone. If they're making you feel excluded, you know, it's, that's not how religion should be. Mm-hmm. I don't, that's not how I want you to perceive religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it definitely sparked this curiosity of like, well, all these people think they know what religion is. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to know, like, I want to know from a educational, intellectual standpoint. I always just sort of also felt this need to, if I was going to say that I was not religious, I wanted to be able to know what they knew and make an educated choice, um, not based on having been told something or fed some ideas. Yeah. I think, so do you feel like you got what you kind of wanted out of it? Do you feel like you got that sense of understanding religion after having studied it in a way that makes you feel, um, I guess, more able to make a educated or knowledgeable sort of take on why you aren't religious? No. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't think so. Hmm. I think I still have the same innate, this just doesn't work for me kind Hmm. of response. Um, But I do feel now more equipped to have conversations like about religion. I'll go to church and it'll be a church that like socially is very aligned with my values. And I still have a hard time with how much the language of like being a Christian is used because Mm -hmm. I, so my boyfriend isn't a Christian and like, I always think about if I were to bring him into this space, even if, you know, this church is all about, it's, um, welcoming LGBTQ plus people. It's all about racial reconciliation. It's like got lots of um, doing lots of work to combat Islamophobia. But I'm like, would 
someone I bring to this space who's not a Christian feel like on the outside of this group? And I, I wrestle with that a lot because I'm like, I don't really know what to do because it's an identity. And so like it, it's important to have some sort of, um, thing that defines why you're there, especially in a worship space. But at the same time, I, I, I get really sensitive and antsy when this language of like we Christians are God are God's people is like used so much. I'm like, mm-hmm. why is it like I get that we have certain beliefs and a certain way of understanding God, but it doesn't mean we're like the only people who are connected to like what's holy and divine in this world. I, I just I don't know. I struggle with that all the time. That's so I don't go to church often now, except on uh, like literally ever, except for my grandmother's every Christmas Eve we go. Mm -hmm. Um, And I go and her church is very similar. They're incredibly inclusive champions of a lot of really important social justice issues. Um, Being there during service is, a little bit uncomfortable for me Mm -hmm. only in that I understand that that place is so sacred to all the people who are there Mm. um, because they deeply identify with the Christian identity. And it feels a little bit hmm, looking for the right word, not users, not manipulative, but like kind of like I don't belong there, not Mm -hmm. because that has anything to do with them, but because I feel like that sacred space is reserved for the people who, who are deeply entrenched in that. Mm -hmm. And like, they're allowed to have those spaces, you know? Um, and that definitely plays a role too. Like, does, does he go to church with you when he's in town? Um, Yes and no. I mean, I've had a harder time finding a church. And we actually will, <laughs> we mostly go to Quaker services together, to Quaker meetings, which is like sort of the meeting of our spirituality. I think there's, we both find those like profound spaces, but he'll go to church with me when I ask him to, basically. <laughs> yeah. So Has that been hard to navigate? Uh Yes and no. I mean, our very first, like, long conversation as a couple that happened ten times was about that. Um, And how... And, I mean, when we started dating, I was, like, very much in crisis mode. I was like, I don't think I'm a Christian anymore, but I... That's what... That's how I've defined myself my entire life, so I don't really know what to do. And that was, like, a very palpable thing. So it's it's been something that, like, even when we started dating, I was like, I don't know if I am this thing anymore. Um, but, I mean, and I don't know. I think that if I were religious in the way that I used to be, I don't think it ever worked because I used to think that, like, you had to be a very particular kind of Christian or you're pretty much screwed, <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't. But I think that the way that I relate to my faith doesn't make it that hard. But sometimes I wish, I don't know, 
that like we were on the exact same page, but I think there are always things in a relationship that has that tension in it. But Definitely. I don't in, know. in a way I imagine it being, and perhaps I'm romanticizing it, but yeah. it would be nice to have a new fresh perspective on things, you know, like, yeah if you're struggling with your religion and you talk to other religious people, perhaps they're going to feel compelled to steer you in a particular direction where right. if you're talking to someone with whom you've built this relationship of love and respect, there's more room to kind of be curious and explore mm. what kind of Christian you want to be. So I want to ask you if it's okay because I know that your dad was sick and that he passed mm -hmm. away and I'm just wondering if you feel comfortable if you don't it's fine if you feel but if you do feel comfortable talking about how that loss in your life affected your sense of religion or spirituality or just yourself I think it definitely hardened me mm -hmm. um to the idea of religion mm. um in in a way i think that death often does you get you know mad at god or mad at the universe and retreat a little bit um so i would say i definitely was angry and upset and felt like it was unfair and um that definitely contributed to more distance between me and my spiritual identity mm. But I think that over time, and I'm going to be honest, years of therapy, yeah, um, it's definitely softened me back to the world um, mm -hmm. and enabled me to see the beauty and the coming and going of people mm -hmm. and experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, I... Um... I haven't lost anyone that close to me, but I have lost, like, I have a friend who was killed, um, who I, like, grew up with, and there's something about the way that, for me at least, religion tries to answer those questions before something like that happens, and then after, and, mm -hmm. like, it just... For me, as a religious person at that time, like, tore open this, like, well, I guess there aren't answers. <laughs> like, I guess that, like, maybe this person is in heaven, but that doesn't really, like, answer anything for me. I don't, I, I don't know. Um, no, I, I agree. It doesn't, the pain is still very acute, no matter where they are or are not. Yeah. And it doesn't feel fair. <laughs> no, it no. isn't. I felt very just angry at the world. You know, I was studying abroad and living the high life. Everything, everything seemed was seemingly going right in my life. Mm. Um, and then he called me one day. He had had cancer while I was growing up and had been in remission. Um, but called FaceTime around Easter and was like, okay, cancer's back. I've got leukemia. 
um, and I'm going to refuse all treatment. It's, it's, it's time. I, I can't do this anymore. Oh. And it took a long time for me to, I remember being like, okay, dad, okay. You know, you, you go through the motions of like, this is how I'm supposed to respond. This is how I can be strong. This is how I can, you know, get to the point where I can sit down. And I just remember being so angry at the universe, you know, for doing that to him and to me and for just complicating my life in ways that I am still trying to comprehend. Mm. So I wouldn't, I don't know. Do do you think that there are experiences where death brings you closer to God? Or do you think there's, I think some people talk about, it's interesting to hear because I feel like there are sort of like two opposite responses that I've heard. Like some people, it's like God isn't answering my question about this, but like God is the only thing that I can lean on right now. Mm -hmm. And so, and I, (laughs) it's different, but like I remember, so fun fact, my first the first guy I dated who wasn't a Christian, I be- I believed at the time that, like, God told me to break up with this person. And that was why I did it. And, like, this may be a, definitely a micro example, but I remember being mad, but then feeling like God was all I had. I was, like, so heartbroken and, like, had no idea what to do with myself and was, like, crying every day. And And I think that some people might describe it in that way where it's like I don't know but like the only thing that makes me feel like my life is worth living still is this like deep spiritual connection to God but I I, yeah I feel like from what I've heard it can go either way I, I feel like I carry a lot of baggage when it comes to the Bible like in terms of the ways that I was taught to think and read about it but now is like maybe uh, it's a text that I feel less like tied to defending at every moment at this point. Like there's some things in there that I'm like, I don't believe that. (laughs) But there's a lot of stuff in there about like how, and I'm sure you know, but like how just like different people react to this human drama and the pain. And I, I take like comfort in that at least. But, I mean, it's, it, I mean, that's the question. Like, we, I remember, because I went to a Christian high school, and we were asking and trying to write papers from, in, like, at age 16 about how a good God could exist in an evil world. But that's still, like, and how a good sovereign God could exist in an evil world. And, like, of course, we wrote these papers that obviously solved it at age 16. Like, <laughs> Of course. Right? But that, that's still the question. That's still, like, and even if it's not personal, it's just, like, we live in this world where there's enough resources and ability for everyone to be taken care of. And we don't have to treat each other like we do right now based on gender race sexual orientation like none of these things have to be happening but they are and so what does one do with that and I think like that question is less personal but I think it's almost in my mind some in some ways the same like one can either dig in and say well my religion helps me to have the strength 
to deal with these things and to help try and make a change or my religion makes me feel like it's fine because the world has just fallen so this is the way it's going to be or I can't I can't handle the way that religion has been like entwined with all of this injustice and so I don't want to be a part of it I've, I've felt I think in my own life I've been at each of those places definitely I feel like even I've I've been at those places I think I think there's a time you probably cycle through them over and over yeah, again exactly too, depending <laughs> on, you know it's the, it just keeps going right. which is probably the beauty too of I think I so enjoy speaking to people like you who like what you said about having to you don't feel like you have to defend every passage in the Bible. Mm. That's so refreshing. It's <laughs> so refreshing to be around people who are like, you know what, I don't have all the answers. But what's worthwhile to me is to continue asking questions. Thank you so much for tuning into Godcast. This episode was produced by me, Danielle Isbell. Our lovely theme music was composed and recorded by Mason Pasha. Follow us on Twitter at Godcast underscore podcast and like our Facebook page at The Godcast Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and to show some love with those ratings. Catch you next time.